Our hearts are shaped by the things that we desire. Keep that in mind. Our hearts are shaped by the things that we desire. That's why the Word of God says, Take heed, beware of covetousness. A man's life consists not in the abundance of things he possesses. Luke 12 and verse 15. That's why the Word of God says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. That's why Scripture says, Set your affections on the things that are above. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. However, families can be crazy. Families can be crazy at times. We all have something of a family background. Our hearts are shaped by the things that we desire when unhealthy emotions get into marriages and homes. The devil is making tremendous gains. Neither give place to the devil. Ephesians 4 and verse 27. We are not ignorant of his devices. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 11. But listen, maybe this is an area where we often are ignorant of the devil's devices. Because he will work on us to become emotionally unhealthy in our relationships. And many of us have already had seeds planted in our hearts The heart can be deceptive above all things. Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10. Sometimes we have unhealthy emotions that have been growing in our hearts and lives for a long time. I think of 2 Timothy 1.13. Hold to the pattern of sound words, of healthy teaching which you've seen in me in faith and in love, which are in Christ Jesus, there are some people who, as Christians, if something was unsound or unhealthy from a doctrinal position, they would stand against it with every fiber of their being. But when it comes to unhealthy emotions in their marriages or families, they're oblivious. No one can truly be sound in the faith who does not work to have healthy emotions in the sight of our God. I've talked with many, many Christians over the years about problems in their marriages or problems in their family. And years ago, I spoke with a brother, and he looked at me and he almost laughed because of some of the things that they were facing as a family. And he said, our family put the fun in dysfunction. 
Our family put the fun in dysfunction. He had no idea how true those things were that he was saying. But sometimes we all have families that put the fun in dysfunction, do we not? I want to talk to you about emotional health in our marriages and families at this time. And I want you to understand that while we often think of people as being really diverse and how people have all kinds of personalities and all kinds of taste and all kinds of, of individual preferences, and we really see that in marriage in the family, don't we? Sometimes I look at my son or my daughter and I wonder, are they, are they really my kid? Because they're so different from me in some ways. Emotional health. Even while people are different, and I hope you'll remember this, there are characteristics every human possesses. Even though we talk about diversity and multiculturalism and, and, and how vastly different people are, there are things everyone has in common and there are things that everyone has in common emotionally as well. It is as if God in in his infinite wisdom, just put it into our DNA that we are hardwired to have these desires, these wants. And if we could somehow transport ourselves back 500 years, I know that the desires I'm going to talk to you that have to do with emotional health would have been true 500 years ago, a thousand years ago. And if it's the will of God that this old earth should stand for 500 more years, these desires will still be true of people 500 years from now. I want us to look at seven desires, emotional desires of every heart. In 2008, a book was written by a husband and wife, Mark and Deborah Lasser, L-A-A-S-E-R, by the title, Seven Desires of Every Heart. I am taking the main points in our study this morning from that book and specifically applying these main points to our marriages and families, okay? Because I think you'll see that there is a lot of scriptural precedent for the point that the Lassers are making in this book. But emotional health in our marriages and families. Ultimately, God is the creator of these desires and the fulfillment of these desires. By that I mean there is something in our lives, an emotional need to relate to our Creator. 
Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 37 and verse 4. God is to be our exceeding joy. Our exceeding joy. Psalm 43 and verse 4. In His presence there is fullness of joy. In His right hand are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 16 and verse 11. As we think about these emotional desires that everyone has, certainly it is true that God intends for healthy emotions to exist in marriages and families. But when these emotions are improperly fulfilled or are neglected, then marriages and the families suffer. This is why this is such an important study. I want to be emotionally healthy myself in my relationship with God and with others, and I want my family to be emotionally healthy and have a great relationship with God and one another too. Don't you? Let's look at these seven desires. The first desire that seems to be just hardwired into us is the desire to be heard and understood. It is an emotional desire that every person has. Whether you're more introverted or you're extroverted, you want someone in your life that gets you. When a couple are about to marry, one of the things they'll constantly say is, this person really gets me. This person listens when I talk. And there is this profound desire to communicate and to, to really understand each other that makes the relationship extraordinarily healthy and attractive. Isn't that true? Everybody wants to be heard and understood. Now what I'm going to do with each of these main points understanding that these desires apparently come from God Himself, doesn't God want to be heard and understood? This is life eternal that you know God and the one He has sent, Christ. John 17, verse 3. Only know the God of your Father and serve Him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 7 through 9. Paul would write, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Philippians 3.10 Certainly we would think he already knew the Lord, but he wanted to know and understand God in a deeper, richer way. And marriage and the family, there is the desire, a real desire for people in the family, our spouses, to hear and understand us. And 
And we see that this desire seems to come from God. If you don't think that anybody hears or understands you, your life is miserable, isn't it? We, we realize as Christians that in the big scheme of things, God knows us and He gets us. And so we see uh, some, some value there, infinite value, and, and the self-image that we can have as the people of God. But that ought to exist in marriage and the family too. Here's a group of people that hear and that want to understand because we're family. You know, you think of Jesus and the prologue to the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. Think of the beginning of Hebrews, in these last days God has spoken through His Son. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear Him. Matthew 17 and verse 5. People want to be heard and understood. A baby is born. It doesn't take long for that baby to let everybody know that they want to be heard and understood. I'm hungry. I have some personal needs that need to be taken care of in the form of a diaper change. And throughout our lives, there is this tremendous desire to be heard and understood. Isn't that marvelous when you find somebody, another human being that wants to hear you, understand you, and get you? Isn't it marvelous that we have a God that wants to hear and understand? It revolutionizes things emotionally when we realize that in Scripture God speaks to us, but in prayer we speak to God. To be heard and understood. Secondly, there is the desire to be affirmed and validated. To be affirmed. To be validated. And, and what this really means, quite simply, is you've been noticed. You've been noticed. And you are appreciated. To feel that nobody notices and nobody appreciates what you are doing or what you're about can really be a downer, can't it? It can be so discouraging. I'm working and working and working and people don't seem to really notice and maybe they don't even care. You can see how this emotion can be devastating in a family if someone thinks that no one is really noticing. 
And most of us are not glory hounds. It's not like, like we're wanting somebody to pat us on the back for everything. But I wonder how many wives and moms would just love to hear some affirmation or validation. We really appreciate what you're doing. And we understand that a man works from sunrise to sundown, but the rest of that statement is, a woman's work is what? Never done. Children who need affirmation and validation. I notice you. And I appreciate you. We live in an age where there is a lack of true affirmation and validation. You will never look on the eyes of another human being. You'll never look at the face of another human being who does not matter to God. And we ought to convey that everywhere, but we ought to convey this most especially in our marriages and homes. Amen? You matter. I noticed you. I saw what you did, and that was good. Affirmation. Affirmation. Now think about God. God is the most affirming, validating person in all of the universe. He's the embodiment of affirmation. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you did visit him? Psalm 8 verses 4 through 6. In the early verses of Genesis, it is said that man was created in the image of God. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Affirmation. If I want to be healthy emotionally in my marriage, I will seek to hear and to understand my wife, Cherie. If I want to be healthy as a parent, as a grandparent, those kids and grandkids, I will listen to them. We get so busy speaking Many of us could use awfully good lessons on listening, couldn't we? And our marriages and families display that. And affirmation. When a person is given true godly affirmation in a marriage and in a family setting, they tend to thrive. There may be sometimes a tendency a person has toward a lack of of self-worth or self-value, affirmation and validation. You matter. I saw what you did and it was something special. Doesn't God want to be heard and understood? Doesn't God want to be affirmed and validated in our lives? He doesn't need it, but He would hope out of love and trust in Him, we would affirm and validate Him. 
Isn't really that the purpose of of a, a seminar like this, of a lectureship, or even of worship itself? To affirm and validate His greatness. Third, this is closely related to the second one about affirmation and validation. Everybody has an emotional need to be blessed. To be blessed. But it is even more intense. It's even more expressive. When we think about affirming and validating someone, we notice. And we point out something that they do in blessing. We treasure. We treasure. The word can mean to speak well, but it can also mean to lift up, to praise, to exalt in, to rejoice in. Three books of the Old Testament especially emphasize the concept of blessing. Listen. Genesis. Genesis. Think about that. Deuteronomy. Psalms. Think about the slant, the perspective each book gives concerning blessing and how much we can learn. When we think about the Abrahamic blessing, God blessing Abraham, man! You talk about being treasured. You talk about the inherent value and worth in our marriages and homes. Do we bless? Do we speak well and convey our joy in treasuring those in our house? Psalms, the praise and the prayer book of the Old Testament. Healthy emotions. Remember, remember that patriarch that worked for his wife, not seven years, but 14? Remember that one? The Word of God goes on to say... It seemed to him as but a day, but a short time. Because of a lack of really blessing others, an unhealthy view, sometimes one day seems like 14 years in some marriages and families. Do you know what I mean? And that's not healthy. It's not healthy at all. So with your family, young people, whether it's your mom or dad or your brother or sister, bless your family. Treasure each one and see the inherent value of each one. 
realize how much they matter to God and how much they really matter to you. And for those of us that are parents or we're thinking about our spouse, bless, bless, bless. Now think of Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in the Lord, in Christ. Blessed, blessed, blessed. You've got a trinity of blessings in Ephesians 1 verse 3. Every family member blessed marriage. Continue. When we look at these desires of every heart, now doesn't everybody want to be blessed? I believe God wants us to bless His name. He's the embodiment of blessing, the great blesser Himself. But when we come together, He wants us to bless His name. He wants us to bless His name on a daily basis, doesn't He? see the relationship factor here. Some people, because of an unhealthy relationship with God, manifest an inability to really relate to others very well, even though they may be Christians. And it often shows itself in our marriages and homes. Number four. The desire to be safe. The desire to be safe. In our marriages and in our families, there is just this inherent desire to long for safety, to want it, and hopefully in our marriage and our family, we find safety. We often sing about safety in our hymns. Safe in the arms of Jesus. That can resonate with people anywhere to be safe. And yet often a marriage or a family can be an unsafe place. Abuse. Where a person really can't feel safe and secure in their own marriage or own family. What a terrible tragedy. Sexual abuse. Physical abuse. Verbal abuse. What has been seen in your house? 2 Kings 20, verses 15 through 18. And be confident that the Lord has seen. We shouldn't be naive. The time in which we find ourselves even in some homes purportedly Christian, 
there is a lack of godly safety because of abuse. And I suspect in almost any congregation of any size, there is someone who goes back to where they live hoping that they'll be safe when they get there. But they don't think they will. Because of trust and love, our marriages ought to be a safety zone for our significant others. Because the world is an unsafe place, our family should be a safe place that is healthy. And one of the reasons why I know that some things are going on in marriages and the family that ought not is because way too much is going on in congregations that ought not. There is a lack of soundness. There is a lack of health in churches. Do people in the family of God feel safe? Number five. Consider this desire of every heart. By the way, I can stop for a second. The omnipotent God, the all-powerful God, is He safe in your heart? Is He safe in your life? Is He safe in your mind? Or are you as a Christian in whom, the one in whom you place your trust, are you constantly putting Him in positions where you no, he would not want to be. Are we abusing God? Think about that. This is number what? Five? In every marriage and family, there is the desire to be touched. I almost didn't use this word, although the Lassers did in in, in their book, because the idea of being touched has such a negative connotation in, in the world. But I want to stop and everybody just think about it. Again, from the time we are born to the time people die, there is the longing, the desire for legitimate Loving touch. A baby cries and a mom puts that child in her arms. Boom. The crying stops. And when someone has died and we are at a funeral and we go to that person... Uh, that person's family and we shake their hand warmly or we give them a hug and tears are gently going down their cheeks as we hug them. They wanted, they needed touch. 
there's a desire. Broadly speaking, there is sexual touch. Within marriage, the parameters of marriage, 1 Corinthians 7. But there's also non-sexual touch. And by that I mean just human contact that is desired, indeed desperately wanted and needed. Our Lord, look at Matthew 8 and Matthew 9, often touched lepers. He touched lepers. And, as a, and we all know that the Lord didn't have to touch the lepers to heal them. Yet the Lord often still touched them. Leading me to wonder, when was the last time anybody had ever touched that person? And they needed meaningful contact. They needed love for neighbor, Matthew 22, 36 through 40. They needed the expression of brotherly love. Love the brotherhood, 1 Peter 2, 17. And sometimes that's going to involve physical touch in a non-sexual way. Now, yes, I realize there are some people who take sexual touch and they try to do it in an inappropriate way with someone not their spouse. And there are some, even under the guise of Christianity, that may non-sexually touch somebody, but with motives that are suspicious. But I hasten to say, there are many people in our congregations And there are many people in families that just long for human contact. They don't have ulterior motives that are sinful. All they want is meaningful contact from other humans. It's a desire we all have. You might be the most introverted, isolated person in the world, but I suspect there is somebody in your life that has touched your heart and soul. We all want appropriate human contact. Touch. Healthy emotional views in a marriage will help us to appreciate the place of sexual contact and touch within that relationship, and it will also help us to appreciate non-sexual contact or touch. Call me a hopeless romantic. Hey, Cody. 
Uh, call me a hopeless romantic. Hey, brother. <laughs> Great man. Good to see you. All right, he's already responding. I'm glad. All right, now. <clears throat> Hold your wife's hand, men. Tell her you love her frequently. Regularly. A number of times daily. The idea of touch is important to everyone in a family. But it helps a wife know how much she is loved, especially. It helps a mom. God's Word is so practical. You know, Ephesians 5 ends with the idea that a woman wants to be loved and a man wants to be respected. Go figure. After trying to counsel marriages and families for years and years, every marriage issue seems to revolve around the fact that 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 wife, that woman, just wants to be loved. And that man just wants to be respected by his wife and family. In the Bible, an awesome book. Two more. The Desire to Belong, number six. The Longing to Belong. People want to belong. You want to belong to a family. The church is a family. The home, a family. To belong. And when people do not feel like they belong, they can become really unhealthy, can't they? Really unsound. says to each one of us mine mine by virtue of creation and by virtue of redemption he is laying a claim on every heart and soul you are mine you do belong God give us the wisdom and healthy emotions in our marriages and families so that every person in our home feels like they belong. They really belong. And for those who have home life that's far removed from that, shouldn't our congregations be a place where people feel like they belong? that we care, many members, one body, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31, to belong. The last one, everyone has the desire to be chosen, to be chosen. 
After 37 years, I still find it hard to believe that Cherie chose me to be her husband. Please don't amen that. But I do find it hard to believe she chose me. Think about this and God. You are a chosen race. 1 Peter 2, 5 through 9. He chose us, Ephesians 1, 4, in Christ. Our marriages and families, people are chosen. I pick you. You're on my team. God has made you a blessing in our family. I choose you. When parents convey to their children how precious they are, I choose you. I know that through the natural order of things, uh, procreation, that child may have come into it. But you know what? In one sense, every child is adopted. Because we choose them. We made our choice in the person that we married. And now we live our choices with our loved ones. Chosen. Now maybe this wasn't true of you. But a number of people through the years have felt the pain of being rejected or of being picked last. You ever felt rejection? Or that someone else was chosen in the order of things, but not you? Family. Oh, thank God for marriage and family. Because every member of the family unit ought to have a healthy sense of how desired and wanted and chosen they are. And may God give each one of us the strength and the grace to convey that in a healthy way to our families. Our lives are shaped by the things that we desire. One of the ways that the devil will try to get into our families is through sinful emotions. Every desire of the human heart that we've talked about today can be neglected And when these desires are neglected, they often are improperly filled with substitutes that really are not substitutes at all. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. In his presence there is fullness of joy. In his right hand are pleasures forevermore.
The things that we've studied from God's Word, we've studied so that our joy can be full in Christ, in marriage, in the home. May God bless us.